Let's all pray again. Heavenly Father, it is such a great joy and privilege to be here together once again on Sunday. The time for us to fellowship, to catch up a little bit, to open your word and to be compelled to see, to understand, to grow in our walk with you. We're reminded today that we are in your hand. In your hand we find security, we have help, we have provision, and we have protection. And we thank you that you embrace us and that you have blessed us. We do truly live in a time of trouble and change, but I thank you that you're consistent, your love abounds, and that you are not bound by circumstance or personalities or persuasion. We thank you for the grand invitation of knowing you and being blessed in this life. And now we come to you, Lord, in celebration and a time of anticipating to hear from you that we would understand that we would be captivated and that we would be deeply, divinely interested in the movement of your hand in our lives and of life. So bless this time, and we thank you for your glory and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you recall, we started a series of messages in regard to Christmas wonder. Um, it's a time in which we reflect on the definition of wonder, which means astonishing amazement. Astonishing amazement. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, the announcement of her pending pregnancy, and the significance of her son that brought praise to her heart and to her mouth. Uh, last week, we looked at Joseph. Joseph's wonder, the significance of his son, and his meaningful names, Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, and Emmanuel, which is God is with us. Today, we're going to be looking, as we have, have read to us, in regard to the shepherds. The shepherds wonder. We'll be looking about four points today in regard to what did it mean to be the shepherd, to witness, to hear, and to respond to what God had communicated to them. Now, for many of us, this story is just a quaint little story about shepherds in a field somewhere. But it is a powerful, dynamic story of revelation and communication and put in context of what expectation the Israelites had in regard to the coming Messiah that would also reflect even in our lives. As read earlier, we discovered that Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem. It's an amazing thing to me how a nation was moved by Caesar Augustus to have a, a census to take place. Isn't it amazing in the context in which we live that little things are big things with God? We think about how God had changed the heart of Caesar Augustus to put forth the census to get a number, to tax the people. How God had a plan that was given to us way back in the book of Micah that tells us an interesting verse. It says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But as, as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth from long ago, from days of eternity. This is a reference to Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. So God moved on the heart of a Caesar to provide an opportunity to present the, the, the reality of a prophecy and the presentation of his son. 
So we stand back in a time in which we wonder about the effect of what we were facing, this pandemic. And then we have to stand back and look, how did God and why did God allow what is taking place? Some things we don't see right now, but I believe we will see the unfolding of God's plan and His purpose, even through a devastating time as this. So here was Mary and Joseph. They were living in Nazareth. The Edith, uh, the Edith came that they had to go to, to Bethlehem. And so we see that Mary gave birth. There was no room in the inn. Those inns were traveling hostels in which it was very shady activity. It was a very unpleasant and very unacceptable place to bring a child into the world. We have the humble beginnings of our Lord. There was no pomp. There was no parade. There was no VIPs. It was an amazing thing that God presented His Son. Now, Kim and I had an opportunity several years ago to go to Bethlehem and to see the traditional place in which Jesus was supposedly born. It was in the grotto, the under basement, if you would, of a church, kind of a cave type of environment that was there. And along the walls, there were curtains that were made of black felt. And there's something about us that we always kind of want to see behind the scenes. So we sit in this room, very uh, ornate, with a lot of shrines and a lot of uh, figurines and a lot of little statues, little icons that were there. And so Kim was really curious about what was on the other side of this black felt curtain. And so she kind of worked her way away from the crowd a little bit. And I'm kind of keeping an eye on her, you know. And she kind of leaned over and she pulled away the curtain to peek on. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came this Palestinian Christian monk and he slapped her hand. <laughs> and he told her, no. And I thought to myself, isn't it how we are when we're presented with things? And I love my life. We almost want to look just a little bit further than what we're allowed to from time to time. But you know what's fun about looking at this scripture is that God understands our curiosity. And not only does He understand it, but He feeds and gives us understanding of what's really happening behind the scenes. So God had a plan. But God showed up unexpectedly. We see there the, the shepherds were out in their fields and they were keeping watch over their flocks. Shepherds were common in this particular day. At one time, early on in history, they were highly respected. Now, when agriculture came into the picture, shepherds fell into disrespect around 5,000 years B.C. At this time, generally, they were considered dishonest, unclean, and, in, uh, and untrusted outcasts. They were always on the move. They were nomadic. There was no place that they called home other than the wilderness. They didn't fit in the community, the culture, or the religious society. You know, interestingly, interestingly enough, history tells us it was common for young girls to hold the responsibility of shepherding the family flock. So we have this picture of these old, crusty old, conjure kind of old guys out there in the woods with their sheep, but in reality, it could be little girls that are 10, 11, and 12 years old. Shepherds is a common theme throughout the scripture. Abel and Moses and David and even Jesus said that I am the great shepherd. In fact, going back to Micah, there's a presentation in regard to this prediction of Christ. 
Micah says again in chapter 5, verse 4, And he will arise, shepherd his flocks, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will remain because of that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. Amazing scripture in regard to the birth of Jesus Christ and the interaction of the shepherds. The Bible says that these, these people watching the sheep, uh, when they were out in the field, it was typically between March and November. So we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December, which we have no record of exactly the day in which Jesus was born. But they would be out in the field. They had to guard the sheep to keep them from, from wandering away, from walking off, or even protection from thieves or from predators. So they were out there, their common everyday existence of watching sheep, taking care of them. And now something spectacular happened. Let our minds captivate this for a moment. An angel suddenly appeared. In a moment... In a blink, a presentation, an angel stepped into our dimension, significant and powerful. It says that the glory had shone around him. I would imagine it was all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, it was daylight, and here is this huge, heavenly, powerful, and significant individual with a message. The message was, don't be afraid. The Bible says that they were greatly afraid. They were terrified. I looked up this word, greatly afraid. It means to run away. They were presented with this, this vision, this view, this presentation. And what they wanted to do was run. So when this angel said, don't be afraid of him, he's saying is this. Don't run away. Don't run away. Interestingly enough. Isn't it amazing that as we go through this life, doing what we've done day after day in the routines of our existence, occasionally God just shows up. There was no prediction that these, that these shepherds would ever have a presentation as this, a vision of a heavenly being presented before them with a message. They never expected it as they were going through and plodding through their daily existence. We're so programmed in our culture today that we have to have this expectation of excitement, an explosion of splendor, a flash, a presentation. But oftentimes we find that God comes in ways that we don't experience, we don't expect the everyday. Well, God shares a message of anticipation. Don't be afraid. Good news of great joy, the scripture tells us. It, he says this, For today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today, joy for all people. The announcement was said. Savior, Christ, Lord, these are loaded words for these shepherds. These were content words of information and definition for your Jewish individual and Jewish race. This concept of a Savior is a deliverer, 
And we understand as a revelation of Scripture has told us that Jesus Christ has delivered us from sin, from death, and from the enemy. How exciting it is that we would know. Christ means the Messiah, or the long-expected one, and then Lord, Yahweh. So we have this Deliverer. We have the Christ, the Messiah. But we also have the presentation, the angel is saying that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. Who are these guys who are rejected by society that they would have this kind of information? Who are we that God has given us this information and what are we doing with this? These were loaded words. They were deep in meaning and significance for these shepherds. You know, we have things that we do through the years I think that we recite and never really consider, especially when the time in our life that we weren't saved. I remember in school, at around Christmas time, our neighborhood kids would all get together and we would go Christmas caroling. Do you remember those days? Walking down the street and singing carols, going to people's doors and knocking and hoping that they would give us like hot chocolate and cookies and we'd sing a song. I remember those days. I remember one song that was so significant. It's, Oh, come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumph. Oh, come, oh, come. The awesome Christ. Christ the Lord. Let us, I'm trying to remember, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. And back in the day before I didn't know the Lord, these words didn't mean anything to me. It was a song. You memorized them. You spoke them. You sang them. You shared them. But it didn't really mean anything to me until I was sitting in my New Testament class going to Bible college. And it was this presentation, an opportunity for us young men trying to get into ministry, trying to get an understanding of our calling. And we had a prayer time, and one of the students broke out in this song. And we sang, Come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Then all of a sudden, Christ the Lord had meaning. It had reality. And it had death. So these disciples, or excuse me, these shepherds out in the field, when they heard this angel say, listen, Savior, Christ, the Lord, they had understanding. Then suddenly, the heavenly host started to come in praise. And they say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This is a profound statement because God has not been has not said anything to the nation of Israel for 400 years. And now, a message from God to humanity, from an angel to shepherds, is a message that would turn the world on its ear. The Bible tells us before we were saved, we were called enemies of God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We had absolutely no hope. And we were in God's gun sights of judgment. But the pronouncement, peace among men with whom he is pleased, 
is the opportunity of salvation and a deliverance. And the heavenly host spoke. God shares the message of anticipation. God invites understanding. So the Bible tells us in chapter uh, 2, verses 15, all the way through 20, that the time had gone by and the angels went away back into heaven. I can only imagine these shepherds observing all that's going on, trying to put their head around, what does this mean? What is this message? Who are these beings? Why are we here? What does this mean? And I know they asked this question. They looked at each other and they said, Did you see that? (laughs) Or was that just me? That they determined that they were going to see. They said, let's go. They didn't say, well, let's go a week from Tuesday. They didn't say, let's go a day after tomorrow. They didn't check their calendar or their phone to find out if their schedule was free and open that they could make this appointment to go see what had just taken place in Bethlehem. They decided at this this point that there's going to be no procrastination, there's going to be no stalling, but they found him. They left, and they found Jesus. This must have been quite an effort, because listen, the angel didn't say, go to the corner of Lund and Sydney, and you will find a manger. They said, no, this is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws in a manger. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough for animals. So think about it for a moment. They've got to travel from wherever they were out in the fields at night when this took place. And they had to travel to Bethlehem. And now they have the daunting task of locating a newborn baby in an animal trough. In a town. So I can imagine the shepherds are going, they're excited, they're thinking about this, they're talking back and forth, and then they're going into Bethlehem. And I would imagine there were scabs of places where people had animals. Barns, backyards, behind fences, caves, caverns. And I would imagine they're looking and they're going and they're, there's word about them because they're trying, probably having to explain what in the world were they doing at John's barn looking in his trough for a baby. Whoever John is. <laughs> Bear with your pastor for a moment. I would imagine there was a, a cadre, a group of people that were following now these shepherds as they're looking for this baby in a trough. And finally, the Bible says they came and they found, verse 16, the baby as he was laying in a manger. Verse 17, listen, I think this is interesting. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which they had been told about this child. They told whoever, not only Mary and Joseph, they told about the angel presentation. They told about what the angel had to say. They told about the heavenly host and what they had to say. They told about the conviction of them coming to Bethlehem. Because look at verse 18. And all, all who heard it wondered at all the things which were told by the shepherds. Who's all? Who's, who's all that's there? 
I didn't have the conviction. It was a crowd that was following the shepherds trying to figure out where this kid was. Where this sign was. Where it took place. So, as we see this, the Bible tells us the shepherds went back praising and glorifying God. Mary pondered. The Bible doesn't really record what she was thinking about. But she, probably like us, we're trying to get this spiritual thing kind of figured out. Who is this Christ? What does this all mean? We cannot assume people understand who Jesus is. We cannot assume that people understand, know what in the world we are doing on Sunday mornings. So this morning, I went to get Kim another cup of coffee at this little coffee place alongside the highway. There's another person that was working there. I had not met her before. And I pulled up and he said hello and I ordered him a latte. And she says, well, you know, do you have a big day planned? And I said, yeah, I pastor First Baptist Church here in town. And Sunday, you can only imagine what my day might be like. And she said, I have not a clue. (laughs) (laughs) We cannot presume that people know what in the world we are even all about. We are living in a lost society, and Christians, we have been silent for way too long. And I I really thought, I could preach to this gal. I could tell her how important I am, and how busy we are. But nothing came to mind until after I drove away. And I thought to myself, the shepherds, They said what they saw. And they told what they heard. This is such a unique time of our life that we have a unique presentation of who Jesus Christ actually is. We just darn better be sure that we know Him. Because otherwise we have nothing to say. Well, we go to church. Well, church doesn't mean anything to a lost person. People in these apartments, they don't know what's going on in here. Plus, they could care less. But if we're driven in this life to share the reality and legitimacy of being a Christian because of what Christ has done in our lives, then we will tell them what we've saw or seen. We will tell them what we've heard. It's all about relationships. Christmas is not about Santa Claus. Christmas is about this one who was born in a barn, wrapped in cloths. It sounds so nice, a manger. Is that like a crib with all the dainties? (laughs) No, you step over the cow mess to get to the child. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny too, the Bible tells us the shepherds went back glorifying, praising God. They didn't hang around wanting to live in that spiritual moment. 
They didn't want to bask in this finding that they had. They went back. It's interesting in the scriptures in a couple of places where it's like the disciples are just kind of standing around trying to figure out what's going on and they just want to hang around. The time in which there was that that transfiguration of Christ on the mountain in which Elijah and Moses showed up and Peter said, hey, it's really great to be here. Let's build these little booths, these little houses, and we'll all just have a good time sitting here. And all of a sudden, the voice coming out of glory, listen to my son, with whom I'm well pleased. Then there was a time in which Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and he's saying goodbye to the disciples in the, in the, act, in the book of Acts, the first chapter. And Jesus said, listen, go to Jerusalem, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he ascended. And the disciples are standing around with their hands in their pockets looking up. <laughs> and these angels showed up and said, what are you guys doing? You need to go to town. You can't stand around. Well, these shepherds, you've got to give them a lot of credit. They realize they just can't stand there and live in that moment. They've got, they have things to do. The whole circumstance that they had experienced glorified God. They believed the message. They were obedient as they went straight to Bethlehem. They confessed the angelic message. They wanted to be a witness of what had taken place. And then they went back. And they were committed to the life that was handed to them. A couple more thoughts. We'll close. They will never forget what they saw. There will never be a night in which they are standing in a field looking at the flock of sheep that they're assigned to be responsible for. They will never forget the presentation of the angel and the host from heaven and what was said. I wonder too, did they see the ministry of Jesus some 30 years later? Were those shepherds still alive when Jesus started his earthly ministry? Did they talk amongst each other saying, do you remember that night? The angel and the baby. Do you remember? Is that him? Is he the Savior? Is he the Christ? Is he the Lord? In concluding, life's changed when we encounter God. We talked about Joseph and Mary and now the shepherds. They all saw and heard. Do we want to see? Do we want to know? There's some who don't. We live in a society in which they don't bother. They don't care. They don't know. Some are distracted. But let me ask you a question. Where do we look for Jesus? Where do you look for Jesus? There's the average spiritual answers that we have. Well, we look for Jesus in the Bible. Well, good. Good. That's important. Well, we look for Jesus in the church. It's a fellowship of believers. Good. That's important. Do we look for Jesus in our circumstances of life? 
Do we look for Jesus in the times that we're hurting? The times of loss? The times of question? The times of relationships? The times of our own questions? We can look at Jesus in the mission field. We can look at Jesus in our answered prayer. God shows Himself. He shows Himself in our lives in unique and powerful ways. Bottom line is, what do we do with it? So it's a unique story. In fact, I was say, talking to you the other day about this. Oh, I was talking to Dad. Dad came to see me. And Dad says, well, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I told him, and it dawned on me, you know something? The Bible is full of weird stories. <laughs> I mean, how bizarre is all this? You know? I mean, with Hollywood come out and paint some pictures and cartoons, paint pictures, and I don't know, veggie tales, do that, this and that. But you know, to look at this story, this is a pretty weird thing to happen to these people. But you know something? This may sound irreverent. God's not like us. He's not like us at all. And can I say this and God help me? Sometimes God's pretty weird. <laughs> like what 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 are you what are you doing? You know? But I've come under the conclusion I think we're the weird ones. <laughs> I think we're the ones that are weird. Oh, we're close. In and out. <laughs> Colin Porter, my best friend going to school. He was from uh, North Carolina. And when I got to school, I was having a pity party. I was kind of feeling sorry for myself. We didn't have any money, you know. We sold our house, blah, 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 all that stuff. And I said, besides, I started talking to Colin about this. And I said, besides all that, Colin, I'm whining, I'm complaining. You guys don't know anything about that. <laughs> I said, everything's different here. It's hot. It's buggy. Gnats fly into your eyes and your ears. There's fire ants on the ground. There's snakes. There's humidity. The food's weird. <laughs> the people are different. Everything's different. And Colin said something to me, I'll never forget it. He said, you know something, Craig? I said, what? He said, um, you're the one that's different. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we get off thinking the way we do sometimes? So that's a free story for whatever that's worth. But listen, this is a wonderful time of year. It has lots of trappings to it. Some really good ones. Some are kind of uh, I don't know. But we can't lose we can't lose the importance of the message of Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus Christ. Don't let it sh- shuffled away or filed away into some insignificant point of view. We are Christians. And the Christianity is all focused on Jesus Christ. It's not a philosophy, not an ideology, not a teaching. It's Jesus Christ. He is the significance. So, how do we close this time? I think it's a time for an invitation. 
I want to invite you to speak to Jesus. I want to invite you to thank Him for all that He has given us and how He is so significant to every one of us. Give thanks for our church. Ask for protection. Give us direction. If you're lost today, make sure you're born again as God spoke to your heart. Let's all stand as we take just a moment.